of humanity's greatest invention, fire remains the most important today. Fire, said to be given to us by Prometheus, yet somewhat happened by happenstance, as scholars believe. We've used fire in ways that our ancestors couldn't imagine. For the internal combustion engine that we are able to get to places quicker and further than our ancestors ever could by using their own legs and other animals. Fire has done more than create energy that makes our lives comfortable. It's altered the course of our evolution. Fire requires three things, oxygen, fuel, and a heat source. Two of those three things we gather naturally from plants. And so some of the earliest evidence of fire goes back 440 million years to the Silurium period. When the Earth's climate stabilized and animals began to move around on land. Kevin Dickinson indicates that popular culture conjures that the image of cavemen banging two sticks together and voila, fire happened, isn't so much the case. Yet that our ancestors' first usage of fire probably wasn't a matter of control or invention, but was more likely opportunistic. That they took advantage of wildfires that were happening and learned how to maintain it, how to keep it going. And this, this caused the brain to expand and to gain logic and to learn and to change because of circumstance. Fire has allowed us to move forward in ways that other animals have not. And not only can we say that fire has caused us to evolve through this technological view, but, but we can look from the story of Moses and see that fire has caused us to evolve spiritually. It's caused us to evolve in our calling, understanding as people of God. Fire is a big part of the story of the burning bush. The, the one who means to draw out finds himself drawing nearer to God, but perhaps doesn't really know it because all the things happening in his story. The community is in the midst of brutal oppression. However, the promise stated to Abraham is still everlasting through their minds and happening even when they can't see it. This community that Moses is born into, he doesn't live into it, though. 
He may be born as a Hebrew, but he lives as an Egyptian. And it's not until later in life that he has to reconcile the two ethnicities and ways of life. Moses is portrayed as a man with something like a fluid and unsettling identity. In the early accounts, no one calls Moses by name except for the narrator. Moses flees because he cannot reconcile who he is. Now, yes, he also flees because he he kills somebody too. We can't ignore that part. But in chapter 2, In verse 22, Moses openly admits that I am an alien. And it's the first time that Moses finally admits who he is or who he has been all along. Their moments of hardships get him. Their series of choices and character changes for him to say that I'm not really part of Pharaoh's court. I'm not not an Egyptian, and and I, I really don't know how the Hebrews live and how they act. I am a foreigner in a foreign land. It doesn't matter where I am or where I go. I will always be an alien. And this is where the passage we read today comes to play. That is, Moses declares himself as an outsider, not just of Egypt, not just as with the Hebrew people, but also in Midian where he now finds himself living. His external and his internal begin to match. And while he's keeping flock, Moses Moshe draws near to the fire. We wonder what it is. What it is that that, that gets him into moving closer and closer. And the text tells us it's because there's a bush who has not disintegrated that it's still burning, that it's still living in the midst of the fire happening all around it and within it. And as soon as he steps into the space, he enters into the presence of God, and God instructs him to remove your shoes. If I hadn't already done this a few weeks ago, I would show you this whole thing. all out, but just imagine that's happening. (laughs) Most times when the request for shoes to be removed is due to cleanliness and not tracking dirt into the space. But here God instructs Moses to take his shoes off because he wants Moses to be fully him, comfortable as himself, to remove all pretense, to be vulnerable and open to what God has to say and do right in this presence. Take off your shoes. Maybe we can hear God saying this, not just to Moses, but to each of us. Moses, take off your shoes. I need you. I need you not to be Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Joseph. Moses, I need you to be fully and wholly you. Take off your shoes and let's talk about it. Let's plan out where things can go, what can happen. 
And Moses pretty much says, God, do you think this is a good idea? Because I don't. Something doesn't seem right about this plan. If you really want me to be comfortable, if you really want me to be honest, if you really want me to be truthful with you, God, this ain't the way it's going to go. This ain't for me. But pay attention close to the questions Moses asked. Two very important. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh's court? And who are you? When they ask me who has sent me, who shall I say you are? What is your name? What is your identity? If you've ever read Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll, you probably remember the caterpillar perched on the mushroom with his little pipe. And he says, who are you? And Alice responds with, why I hardly know, sir. I've changed so much since the morning. Alice in a different land a place where the character she is doesn't really match the character of the world that she is now in. Everything seems unfamiliar. Everything seems foreign, not just to Alice, but also to the caterpillar, the other characters. Moses turns his own questions to God, his own questions about who he is. He he turns to God to ask, who are you? Who are you to send me out? Why would you to send me out? What shall I call you? What shall you be? Who are you? I'm struggling right now trying to figure out who I am myself, and now this being comes into place. I, I, who are you? This changes the passage, the course. When God answers, I am who I am. The Greek translators of the Bible rendered this passage as I am the one who is. That God revealed to Moses as this absolute being, as would be understood in Greek philosophy. And historically, however, the, it is impossible to find this meaning in Hebrew texts because it, Hebrew just didn't have a concept of being. But if we take the actual meaning of the words, the actual Hebrew phrase, while somewhat mysterious, can be understood in the form of the verb to be. And so if we took the actual Hebrew words and translated, it is the one who causes to be. Or the one who causes your being. 
So while Moses is on Mount Horeb, which also translates to wilderness. So while Moses is in the wilderness of his life, sitting on the mountain of wilderness, struggling, finding clarity and some understanding of his identity, he stumbles upon God who has been waiting for him all along. And not just any God, but a God who claims to be to cause and to create being even when we cannot comprehend who we shall and will be. When we have been trying to constantly answer the questions, who am I in in our own self-discovery narrative and probably in our own lives as we sit in these pews today wondering, who am I? What's my purpose? What's my calling? What shall I do? What shall I be? Where shall I go? What is happening? We have neglected to ask God, who are you? Because as Motman puts it, in order to understand self, we have to first understand God. If I ever want to be in the presence of God, I must find myself in God's essence. And so until we come to merge who we are with who God is, we find ourselves constantly in a wilderness place. But here Moses realizes that throughout his story, out the things that have happened to him, through the character development of the narrative, he can comprehend that the burning bush was not just fire, that the sand was not just ordinary dirt, and the voice of God was not just some Egyptian spirit waving in the wind. But this moment... This moment was an answer to who he is being and becoming. To say, Richard Rohr, an authentic God experience always burns you, yet it never destroys you. It consoles our true self only after it has devastated our false self. My friends, may we enter the presence of God. May we remove the coverings that are protecting our feet and our bodies. Take down the walls that you've put up from shame and anger and disappointment. Untie the strings that have been burdening us and binding us and stand humbly before God. And may we realize that moments in our lives we really don't know who we are. We really don't know where we're going. We really don't know what we're doing. But here we are, God, standing in the dark, looking at the fire that's hopefully bringing some type of life, some type of consciousness. Here we are, God, hoping that you can see our hearts even when we just don't understand that you will love us and direct us. Here we are, God. What shall we do? Here we are, God, desiring to know who you are. And if you are the God who causes all being, then please give us some answer to who we are becoming. And I know we look at sermons sometimes as to give answers to the questions, but this is one time I can't answer it for you. 
This is one time where we have to do the thing that most Americans don't like. We have to sit in the silence and the presence of God to wrestle with the internal and the external, to wrestle with the self-discovering questions, to wrestle with the trauma of the past, to wrestle with the hope of the future, to reconcile where we've been and where we're going, to reconcile with all the questions that have been within our lives, that we have to find ourselves standing on the holy ground, standing in the place and the presence of God, just us working internally, hoping that when we leave the bush that we take a fire with us, Not to cook some scrumptious meal, not to build tools, but a fire, a flame that are the intentionality of God's creation within us, a burning desire that though I might stutter, though I might be afraid, though my enemies are after me, yet will I trust you that that, uh, the flames of God will move us and evolve us into a calling, into a people of God to go forth to where God is calling us. Calling isn't easy. And I'll be honest, at least once a week, I wonder and ask the question, God, am I really doing what I'm supposed to do? God, are you sure I'm supposed to be doing this right now? God, I got a list. I stutter sometimes. I'm dyslexic. God, I'm tired sometimes. sometimes I I don't have patience for people all the time. Should I really be in this situation? (laughs) Calling. Calling and discernment. These two words that we use in our Christian space that we sometimes really don't have set definitions for but we just hope we're doing it right. And together we struggle, we fight, we wrestle with the internal and even find ourselves like Jacob wrestling with God, hoping, hoping we're following the call of God. And that's the best we can do. In itself, that pleases God. In the narrative, God reveals God's self to Moses by name. And I wonder if If this name that is given to Moses, he creates a picture of what God may look like or what God is like. For most of us, we have a a picture, an idea in our minds of who we have somewhat created God to be. It was three years of working at this church in children's ministry. 
and it, we were going to children's camp. And I sat and I was leading this group of the 10 and 11-year-olds. And this little girl, every time she would answer a question, would continue to say, well, when me and Bob hang out, we talk about and do this. When me and Bob were over by the lake the other day, I told him this. And I began to worry a great deal because I had known her for three years and never have heard of Bob before and thought, do I need to talk to her parent? What, what do I need to do? Because this is a little scary. So I said, Alice, can you tell me who Bob is? And she said, oh, Tim, that's, that's my name for God. And I thought how amazing, how amazing this Child, how amazing Alice taught me to change my whole view and relationship of God. To be intimate and, and personal in such a way that I can name God, that I can picture God, that I can see God, that I can hopefully have one-on-one -on -one time with God working internally, even in the chaos of the outside. My friends, we as Christians find ourselves coming as personal as we can get when we talk about communion. When we use the symbols of bread as body and wine as blood, you can't get at more personal than that. That we take time to be intentional, to call out our Savior, the God who cries with us, the God who walks with us and journeys with us, the God who picks us up, the resurrective God, the God who liberates, the God who creates community. Whatever you want to put with God, we come to have a personal relationship with this God that changes and moves us and evolves us. So we come to remember the night that Jesus was betrayed. He sat down with his disciples and he took bread and said, this is my body broken for you and for many. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you and for all. Take and drink. And as often as you do it, remember me. Let us pray. God, we stand before you. Humble. We stand before you trying our hardest to let our walls down, to take off our shoes, to just come before you fully 
ready to hear how you might use us. Where you are calling us. And even what you are asking of us. And Lord, yes, we might also come in the same way with some excuses ready to answer back. But oh God, be patient with us. Give us courage to walk in faith even when doubt just seems like a better path. Oh God, give us peace while chaos happens all around us. And Lord, if we are in our wilderness, may you give us a burning bush to help us redirect our path. God, as we come to this table to eat, to, to be closer to you, to be closer to community, Lord, as we come to this table to remember sacrifice and love, as we come to this table, Lord, knit us to become one. And as we come to this table, Lord, we also pray in the same way that you taught your disciples to pray. And saying, Our Father, 